churches, and I'm starting to get a complex. Uh, I have 230-some messages in this phone. God gives me other messages, but He keeps bringing me back to this one. So maybe if we come back some other time, you'll get to hear something different. Uh, but I've preached this one a lot, and God keeps telling me to go back. There's, there's messages that are for churches, and there's messages that are for the church. That makes sense. And uh, this, is a, this is a church. It's very simple. It's about a missionary. <laughs> about a missionary named Jonah. And then about another, another missionary, a missionary named Jesus. And I want to look at both of these men for just a, a few moments. I'm not long-winded, said every single preacher you've ever heard. And that is a lie. I'll just go ahead and be upfront with you. Most of the time, they're not telling the truth. But I will try my best to be mindful of the time, preacher. I appreciate you letting us. Uh, and I'll be mindful. You know, y'all have to go to work and such. Luke chapter 8, Jonah chapter 1. And we are going to read, and then we'll dive in. Luke chapter 8. Look at verse number 22 of Luke chapter 8, and then Jonah chapter 1. says in verse 22, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. This is talking about Jesus. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Verse number 26, And they arrived in the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Now look over in Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, we'll look at verse number 3. We'll be reading a lot. I'll read fast if you listen fast. Verse 3, But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the side of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. Look at verse number 11. Then said they to him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea rotten was tempestuous. And he said to them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea rotten was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Look at chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now in these two passages of Scripture, we find some very uncanny similarities. But with each similarity, there is a very, very stark difference. 
And so we are going to take a few moments and we are going to list the similarities and differences. And then we are going to go back through them and look at them a little more in depth and see what happens, a compare and contrast about obeying God or not obeying God? Because that is the question, that is the, the thing that we have to do every single day. We get to choose whether or not we obey God or we don't obey God. Look at similarities number one, difference number Jesus gets into a boat, Jonah gets into a boat. Difference is, is that Jesus is in direct obedience to God and Jonah is in direct disobedience to God. Number two, Jesus, while asleep in the ship, encounters a storm. Jonah, while asleep in the ship, encounters a storm. The difference is, is Jesus, being in the center of God's will and relying on the power of God, can say, peace be still, while Jonah, who is out of the will of God, has to rely on his own means to try to find a way to appease the sea. Number three, both men's answers to the problem work. Very interesting. The sea stopped their raging in the book of Luke, and the sea stopped their raging in the book of Jonah. The difference is, is that although the storm has stopped on both accounts, Christ is still in the comforts of the boat, while Jonah finds himself swallowed by the great fish. Number four, Jesus makes it back to dry ground. Jonah makes it back to dry ground. The difference is, is that Jesus steps out of the ship out of his own free will while Jonah gets regurgitated on the side of the seashore out of the fish's mouth. Number five, they both then do something great for the glory of God. Christ tells the demon-possessed maniac of Gadara while Jonah preaches an eight-word sermon and an entire city repents. The difference is, is one, because of trying to run from God, had to be brought down to the absolute lowest point until he was willing to be malleable to the will of God, while the other, being God in the flesh, was willing to obey God, even to go to the cross of Calvary and die for you and my sin. One man's intentions were pure and holy, the others were ugly and hateful. I say all of this to tell you that each of us have a purpose. Each of us has a plan that God has for your life. Everybody take a breath. Let it out. You're here. You have a reason for being here. God has put you on this earth to accomplish something that only you can do. I can't be you. You can't be me. That is the beauty, the beauty of the body of Christ and how it all works together. But let's look. Five things. I'll get through them really quick. Number one, both of these men get on a boat. Jesus, we know, is in the center of God's will doing exactly what God wanted him to do when he stepped out on the boat to go to the Gadarenes. Jonah was fleeing in the complete opposite direction of where God wanted him to go when he stepped on the boat to go to Tarshish. So we see here that man has a free will. God gives man a free will. God has given us a free will. It was so important. You think about what a God an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being wants. What does somebody like that want? He wants somebody to worship Him in spirit and in truth and love Him out of their own heart, not being forced and not being made. And that is called free will. And it was so important to Him, we agree that He knows everything, right? He exists out of time. He was slain before the foundations of the earth. So as he is making Adam and as he is breathing the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam and giving that man a soul, he is signing, effectively he is signing his own death. Because he knew he would 
end up sinning in the garden. He knew he would die. He would have to die for Adam's sin. But it was so important, he was willing to die for it. So it's amazing to me that in the book of Jonah, everything obeys God but Jonah. (laughs) The wind obeyed, the sea obeyed, the fish obeyed, the worm obeyed, the gourd obeyed, the people of Nineveh obeyed. The only one that would not obey was Jonah. And you think, what an idiot. And then I look in the mirror, preacher. Think out of everybody that should have been listening to God, Jonah should have been listening to God. The Bible says he was a prophet. He had seen God move. He had seen God work. He had been around the things of God. So why wouldn't he listen? And then all of a sudden I remember, hey, I've been around the things of God. I've seen the things of God. And how many times has God tell me to do something? Oh, Lord, can't do it right now. Oh, you think, do missionaries do that? We bleed red, people. <laughs> we all do that if we're honest. We all have a free will. What what are we going to choose with it? That's the question. Are you going to choose to obey as Christ obeyed, or are you going to choose to disobey as Jonah did? We have a free will. What will we choose? Number two, I'm already done with one. I told you I'd hurry. Both men, while asleep in the boat, encountered storms. I'll just say, time out. doesn't have anything to do with the message per se, but it doesn't matter if you're in God's will or out of God's will running 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction, storms come in our lives. It is inevitable, it is a curse, it is a side effect of the curse of sin on this sin-sick world. It does not make it easy, but at least we know that they come. And we can try to prepare ourselves the best that we can through God's Word and by prayer. But each of these men are asleep in the boat when they encounter the storm. Now, I understand why that Jesus is asleep, right? He could have set sail to the Gadarenes on a toothpick. He would have been okay. But why is Jonah asleep? Why is God allowing Jonah to sleep? Man, if you ever said, if I was God, that's a bad place to be. <laughs> if I was God, Jonah's running for me. I told Jonah to do something and and I was God, I wouldn't let him be getting some sleep in the bottom of the boat when everybody at the storm's going and he's down there sawing some logs and getting some rest and relaxation. So why, why is God allowing Jonah out of God's will, running from him, to be getting rest and relaxation in the middle of a storm? Mercy. Because of mercy. That is why that Jonah is in the bottom of the ship asleep whenever he should be experiencing all the turmoil and all of the strife that the men on top of the ship is going through. He should be experiencing that because he's out of the will of God, right? You think we get punished eventually, and he does. But thank God for grace. And God is extending that grace. God is extending that mercy. Can I tell you, why does God allow any of us to do anything? Why does God allow any of us to do any, any, any saved person here? Why does God allow you to do anything? Sing, take up offering, play the piano, work in the nursery, go door knocking. Why? Because of mercy. We don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve to be here. I didn't deserve to drive 10 hours to come to a church that's been praying for my baby. 
deserve that. I don't deserve to stay over in that house. I don't deserve to have all that nice stuff. But you know what? God's been merciful to me. He's been merciful to you because you're here. But we look, we look at Christians like that. We look at the lost like that too, don't we? Say, why in the world is God blessing him or her? I'm doing my absolute best to do right, and I can't make that payment. I don't know how I'm going to get over here and do this. And they're living like the devil, and they got food in the fridge. They got a nice vehicle to drive. Have you ever thought that? What leads to repentance? The Bible says that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. Can I tell you something? What helped me? If you're saved and here tonight, this is the closest to hell you will ever have to be. You think about that. This world is the closest to hell you will ever have to face. But if you're here and you're lost, this wicked world is the closest to heaven you will ever get. So God is merciful to the Christian, praise God, but He's merciful to the lost. God gives us a free will. What are you going to do with it? God gives us mercy. Are you going to use it and repent? Or are you going to abuse it like Jonah did and kept running? Number, that was number two. Number three. The raging sea stopped for Christ when he says, Peace be still. The raging sea stops in the book of Jonah when he had himself thrown from the ship. It's another interesting thing that we find is that both of the men's answers to the problem work. Now, again, we understand why the sea stopped for Jesus because he's God in the flesh. But then again, do you think that Jesus needed the water and the waves to be stopped? Right? He could have hopped out of the boat and walked to the gatherings. So he didn't need, he didn't need the sea to be stilled. Do you think that the fish needed the sea to be stilled? Do you think that it would have had a problem finding Jonah? I bet it'd have fun, right? Where's that prophet's feet dangling in these waves? Oh, there he is. So then if Jesus didn't need the water and the seas to be stilled, and, and really the fish didn't, so Jonah doesn't need the waters to be stilled. So who needs the waters to be stilled? Well, we find that there's two groups of people around these two individuals. And here we see God gives us a free will. God gives us mercy upon mercy. And here we see God gives us a testimony. Why did God stop the raging sea in Luke and in Jonah? For the testimony that will be left behind to the sailors. Because after all that is going on, they say, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the water obey him? And all these pagan fishermen, they're doing all kinds of prayers to every other little G-God they can think of. And after Jonah's thrown over the side and the seas stop their raging, guess what? They start making sacrifices and vows to the big G-God. Why? Because of a testimony. 
Testimony is a thing that God has given each of His children, and it is a very powerful weapon to wield. But whether your testimony is filled with greatness, or whether your testimony is filled with bitterness and sadness, God will use it in the same exact way. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Let me tell you. I know people in my life that when I get near them and close to them and I see their walk with God and I see how close they are to Him and how much they read and how much they pray, it makes me want to be a better Christian. It makes me want to be a better person. It makes me want to have a closer walk with God and to read more and pray more, not just for myself but for my family and for the people of England, and for a lost and a dying world. But over here on the other hand, whenever I find people that they have taken God's grace, and they have taken God's mercy, and they have abused it, and used it, and squandered it, and they don't care about the things of God, and they don't care about the house of God, and they don't care about a lost and a dying world, I see that person over there, and you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to read more. It makes me want to pray more. It makes me want to get a closer walk with God. Not just for myself, but for my kids, and for my wife, and for the people of England. And for a lost and dying world. Why? Because as much as I want to be this person over here, I don't want to be this person over here. So whether or not we choose to live a life that pleases God and we're faithful and we leave that testimony behind or whether or not this is the last time you ever darken the doorstep of this church and you never go to a church again, God will take each of those testimonies and He will use it to help somebody. But why in the world, if we get to choose, would we not pick something that will be glorifying to God? You get to pick, I get to pick. We all get to pick, preacher. You get to choose what your testimony is. So if we get to choose what it is, why wouldn't we pick the best one that we can? The best one that we're able to do. God gives everybody a free will. God gives everybody mercy. And God gives everybody a testimony. What will yours contain? Number four, we're almost done. Praise God, Jonah repents. He makes it back to dry land. And Jesus makes it back to dry land. <coughs> now, I don't know exactly how Jesus got to that seashore of Gadara. Now, he was on a boat. I don't know if there was a little dock. I don't know if they pushed him, they pushed the boat as close as they could and he had to hop off in knee-deep water. Maybe they pushed it all the way up on the sand and he, he got to get out there. I don't know, but I think that we can all agree that Jesus walked. He walked off the boat into Gadara. And I, I believe that Jonah crawled out of the fish's mouth. He gets barfed up. Has to crawl up the side of that seashore. Say, well, that's not in the Bible. How do you get that? Let's take you, put you in a cement mixer, <laughs> take the take fish bile and the juices out of its stomach that decompose. Put that in there with you. Put you on spin cycle for three days, 
and at the end plop you out and let's see if you can walk up the seaside. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> so I think we can agree that Jesus walked while Jonah crawled. At least for a while. He didn't crawl all the way to Nineveh. I believe he had to crawl a little way. Is Jonah now in God's will? Jesus never ever left God's will. But now is Jonah in God's will? I would say yes. Because he, as soon as he gets regurgitated out, as far as we know, he makes a beeline straight to Nineveh. So now he is, he is going to the place that God called him to go. There was still a period of crawling. So what, why are you saying this? What do you mean? Do you want to get to what God has for you by walking to it or crawling to it? Jonah's in God's will now because he's making his way to Nineveh. But the mode of transportation that Christ is taking and the mode of transportation that Jonah is taking are two completely different things. Can I tell you some? I, I've had to crawl to some places because I was pig-headed and foolish and prideful. And I thought my way was better than God's way. And it's not pretty to have to crawl through the muck and the mire of this world to get back to what God has for you. It's not pretty. It's not fun. It's not something that you want your wife to see or your children to see and God forbid anybody else see it. It's not a good thing. But can I please deter you? Deter you from crawling. You want to know why I think that we lose our children out of churches all across this country. We lose them faster than we can have them. And I have four. I'm trying. Trying to make that deficit shrink. Amen. What is with missionaries and have a bunch of kids? I, get, I looked at my prayer card and it would just looked empty. So I'm like, well, let's throw in three more. <laughs> but you want to know why that kids are leaving the church? Because they've seen mama crawl, daddy crawl, Sunday school teacher crawl, preacher crawl, deacon crawl. Do you think that's very enticing? And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about whenever things happen to us. I'm talking about things we bring on ourselves. We wonder why we lose them. God gives us a free will. He gives us mercy. He gives us a testimony. He gives us all of these things. He gives us a place to go. You want to walk or crawl? Last one. Jesus Christ goes on to do something great. He heals the maniac of Gadara. And God still uses Jonah. What about that? That's always amazed me. And we, another message could be preached even after this about guarding ourselves after we've gotten there and done it. 
because the book of Jonah does not end well for Jonah. But Jonah, they both go on to do something great. Do you know what, how Jonah describes the fish and being in its belly? And I'm, I'm, this, I'm done after this. He describes it. You can look. He describes it as hell. Describes it as hell on earth. Will you do what God has asked you to do? I don't know what it is. Could be called to the mission field. You could be called to preach. You could be called to go over across the street, tell somebody about Jesus. Are you going to do it? Or do you have to be brought down to the absolute lowest point to where you're like, all right, God, I'll do it. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know any of you personally. I've just met everybody tonight. I don't know where you're at. You may be on, on the, the, the beginning of this, and God has asked you to do something, and you get to pick right now. It's your choice. I can't do it for you. He can't do it for you. Mommy and Daddy can't do it for you. Grandparents, your wife, your husband, your children, they can't do it for you. You get to pick right now. God has told you to do something. You get to pick whether you do it or not. I beg you. I plead with you to do it. It'll be the greatest thing you've ever done. It'll be the greatest thing that you have ever done. Maybe you're in maybe you're in the fish's belly. You say this that's past, preacher. God asked me to do something. And I ran. And I went to Tar I tried to get to Tarshish, but I, I got swallowed by the fish, and I've been living in the fish year after year after year, and you paint a good picture, and you put on a face every time you come back through those doors, and you sit down, and you sing, and you pray, and you know when to say amen, and you know when to do this, and you know when to do that, but inside, you're full of turmoil, and you're full of strife, and you feel like you're in hell on earth, because you're in the fish's belly. Say, well, how do I get out? You can't get out! By yourself. But I know somebody who can get you out. His name is Jesus. Perfect night to get out of the fish's belly and get back to what God wants you to do. You may be here tonight and every time God has asked you to do something, you've said, yes, Lord, I applaud you and I appreciate that testimony. Can I caution you? We are all one step away. One choice, one word, one moment, one flaw from becoming just like a Jesus, just like Jesus, to being just like a Jonah. Hope that has made sense. Appreciate you, preacher, for letting us do that and preach. Make the right choice, church. I implore you, please, because people's souls hang in the balance about what you choose to do tonight and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Thank you, preacher. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. <clears throat> Heads bowed and eyes closed. The invitation's already been given.